You may find this hard to believe, but 60 songs that explain the 90s, America's favorite poorly named music podcast is back with 30 more songs than 120 songs total. I am your host, Rob Harvilla, here to bring you more shrewd musical analysis, poignant nostalgic reveries, crude personal anecdotes, and rad special guests, all with even less restraint than usual. Join us once more on 60 Saws that Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by USAA Homeowners Insurance. USAA has homeowners insurance that could lead the league in assists. Serving our military, veterans, and their eligible family members, USAA delivers award-winning service and peace of mind. And if you file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. And joining me as he does every Thursday night from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Finals, Kevin Berno! I'm joining you here from the NBA Finals. I'm sitting in my media seat up in the nosebleeds, looking down at all these happy Nuggets fans celebrating. They're having a good time. They're feeling good. Uh, I'm feeling good, man. I'm here at the finals. It's a good time. First time in 47 years that the team has gotten this opportunity and the fans have gotten this opportunity. Uh, looked like a raucous crowd there at the beginning of the game, for sure. It looked like it looked like I expected it to. Like a team and the fan base that was yearning for this opportunity. Obviously, it's been a long time since they had played basketball after sweeping the Lakers uh, and then just having to wait around until the finals were going to begin. But at least on TV, environment looked great. What was it like in the arena? Very loud. Uh, a lot of noise being pumped in for sure. Fans were loud. They had the cool wristbands lighting up. It was a great atmosphere, man. I was impressed. It felt like right from the jump, uh, fans were into the game. Didn't feel like any nervous crowd or anything like that. Uh, it was a very cool atmosphere here in Denver. And you probably did not expect that, much like back in the day, uh, Mike Tyson walking to the ring shirtless with some black shorts and then knocking somebody out, that that role was going to be Aaron Gordon in the first, like, five minutes of the game. It was like, hold on hold on now. Is this going to happen? Because Aaron Gordon had 12 points before I think you could even get to a commercial break in that game. And it it was 
it was so enlightening to see that right off the bat because it was like, man, they got a size problem here. You saw immediately, I think 16 of the first 22 points the Nuggets scored were in the paint. And it was like, here's a mismatch. Here's something we've identified. Here's a guy that's bigger and stronger. It's going to be able to slip to the basket. And I thought really set the tone right off the bat for the Nuggets tonight. Absolutely agree with you, Chris. I mean, Aaron Gordon, right from the opening possessions of the game, he scored his first five baskets were on four different Heat players. All of those buckets were in the restricted area. He had, you know, he overpowered Jimmy Butler on a drive. He had a screen set on Jamal Murray, you know, for Jamal Murray. He got switched in the game. Vincent buried him underneath the basket, but Jokic delivered the pass. He had a transition seal on Max Struess. And then at one point, I thought it was, it really was indicative of the game plan you're talking about using your size and your length and your power advantage over Miami, they cleared a side for him to post up Caleb Martin. That that said it all to me. The, some of the other plays, it was like within the flow, right? But then that one, it's like, ah, this is a point they're trying to make that we are going to beat you with our size, six foot eight, 235 pounds, not just Jokic, not just Michael Porter shooting over everybody, but Aaron Gordon with post-ups against your smaller players. Also, a great way to not be the rusty team because you're not relying on, you know, whipping it around, making a bunch of jump shots. I mean, hell, they're making dunks and layups to, to start the game like over and over and over again. And it was just Jokic point guard. As I said, we get to that like commercial break and they're like, and Aaron Gordon's already got 12. They come back from the break and I think Jokic already had six assists. We're like eight minutes into the game. The guy's got six assists. <laughs> it was crazy. And he ended with 14, only two turnovers. Unbelievable. Just he whipping the ball assi- around the floor everywhere. He had more assists everywhere. than shot attempts, Kevin. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's he's, a, he's something else, dude. He Like, Jokic, Jokic, there's a play. I think it was, I don't remember what it was. I think it was the second quarter. It all blended together. It doesn't matter. It was like a three-point shot Jokic hit on the left wing. And it was like with two seconds left in the shot clock in which I thought the Heat played awesome defense for the entire possession. They were switching screens, shutting off what Denver was trying to do. And then with like five or six seconds left, the Nuggets were like, okay, we'll just go to our Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, two-man game. Murray drives to the left wing, kicks it out to Jokic for a wide-open three-pointer. It's like, jeez. You know, like you can only do so much sometimes. You play 20 seconds of great defense, and Jokic hits you with a three. And oftentimes, you know, we're talking about the assists. He's the guy delivering those passes and creating for others. But Jamal Murray as well, with his 10 assists tonight, only three turnovers, uh, he was absolutely unbelievable in the game as well, creating for others. You know, you're talking about the Heat defense. It clearly got better in that second half. They were able to shut some more down. And I'm, I'm torn. Is that partly because the Nuggets were up, you know, by 15 plus by halftime, then they're still up big at the third quarter. You get this little run to make it a little interesting. Haywood Highsmith making some shots uh, there in the fourth quarter. Or, you know, did the Heat start to figure some things out as the game went on? 
you know, where or, or the did the, were the Nuggets just taking their foot off the gas and then they had to put their foot back on the gas when it got to like 10 and they were able to do it. I, I don't really know because, you know, I, I, I leave it and I'm like, Kev, if they give up 104, you'll take 104. Like, it, honestly, if, if you're going to give up 104 a game, you're going to have a really good chance in this finals. And is 104 a function of the Heat playing really good defense and much better defense in the second half? Or is that a function of a team that took its foot off the gas because they were just so in control for three quarters? What do you think? I got to watch the game back. Um, but, like, the two free throws from Miami as well. Just, that's oh. just something else to add on to your point there, Chris. Um, you know, I think the first thought that comes to mind is if you're a Heat fan, you're like, okay, well, Duncan Robinson goes one for five. You got Max Struess at 0 for nine. And Kayla Martin, he, uh, he's three points on one of seven from the floor. So, like, you're thinking you're going to get better shooting performances, but Denver can say the same thing. 8 of 27 as a team. Michael Porter Jr. had a lot of good looks. You know, 2 for 11. Jamal Murray was 2 for 7 from behind the arc. So, I mean, I think the three-point stuff goes both ways. I want to watch the game back before I say anything definitive with the free-throw stuff. But from, like, watching up here, I, I didn't get the impression that, like, Miami was getting screwed necessarily with calls. Did, did you get that impression at all from no, watching the No, and I don't think they did. I don't think they did either. I think the message is going to be more, you know, play with force. We have to oh, yeah. call, we we have to press this issue. We're doing what Boston did with us, which is not putting pressure on the rim. And so look, clearly they probably should have gone to the line more than two times. I mean, it's just a ridiculous amount. It's it's never happened in the finals where a team took two. It's only happened in six games either regular season or playoffs in the history of the NBA. <laughs> I mean, that's a billion games that have been played and <laughs> it's happened six times. So, of course, it's the most extreme of outliers, but I think Miami is to blame in in in, in large part for their severely low total. I, you didn't get the sense that they were playing with that force and a lot of that emits from Butler. He has these games where it's like some games, he just absolutely imposes his will on the game. And other games, he doesn't. And I do think that that team feeds so dramatically off of him. You know, he is the star. They are the role players. And sometimes the role players can't be, you know, the 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 full-on role player that you need him to be if the star's not the star. And the star wasn't the star for Miami, and the role players were, like, beyond abysmal offensively. You gave you gave Struess an extra one. It's 0 for 9 from 3, Kevin. He's 0 of 10 oh, yeah, overall. That's, yeah, that, that's what I, I mean, meant from 3 for those numbers. I 0 for 10. I mean, when you get two guys that are starting for you in Caleb Barton and Max Struess, and they go one for 17 combined, good luck. I mean, the one huge bright spot is that you got a star performance out of BAM. And if you can get really good BAM games, that goes a long way towards 
being able to help your cause as this series goes on. Okay, was was this was this a really really good Bam game? A star Bam game though. Yes, he has twenty six points. It came on twenty five shots. He whiffed with some opportunities near the rim. Was was this a star Bam game? Look, if I'm getting, I'll, I'll sign up for twenty six and thirteen and five out yes, of him every yes, night. But 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 are you signing up for twenty six points on twenty five shots? I don't think so. I mean, it, look, it, if my other guys are one for 17. I, I agree. But I <laughs> it's agree, all relative, but I, Kevin. I, I agree. I know. Like, you're going to take what you can get. But I'm just saying 26 points on 25 shots. It's like you'd rather you'd hope he's up over 30 points with that amount of shot I, attempts. Uh, I mean, I, 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 think, I, just, I think you can look. He's not going to the free throw line. <laughs> no, and you can flip it the other side, though, too. It's like. Someone like Michael Porter Jr., he takes 11 three-pointers, only hits two of them. He, he has a great game. Like, he was putting the ball on the floor, attacking off the dribble. He made the really nice interior bounce pass, 13 rebounds. He's playing competitive defense. But even somebody like him, yes, he'll take that game from Michael Porter Jr. if you're Denver, of course. But if you're Miami, the other side of it is like, whoo, geez, like some of those three-pointers that he's taken with, with space, those are going to fall at some point. So this goes both ways Absolutely. here with both and Miami look, and with Denver. Oh, I know. He, the Heat got a bunch of good shots. They got a bunch of good looks, and they wouldn't go down. And, I, you know, you, you couldn't help but think as you're watching this. I mean, if you're a Celtics fan, you're just losing your freaking mind watching this. It's like, seriously? <laughs> like, they, they shot. <laughs> that, look, they played seven games in that conference finals, Kev, and they shot 43% from three. <laughs> it's crazy, in the conference right? finals. They and, shot 43%. They dud. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, crazy. where was this Caleb Barton? You know, it's <laughs> I like, know, right? Where, where was this oh. Max Struess? Where was this crazy. Miami Heat? Where it swing, swing, open three, like every time it felt like they made him against the Celtics. Obviously, tonight, uh, those were falling short. And then on the flip side, just you know, I know you talked about the Porter uh, thing, but you got a really good one out of Eric Gordon. Outstanding. And good defense on Butler uh, for his oh, part. He was awesome. And then you got the two stars being stars, you know, in conjunction. They had this stat on the broadcast at the end of the game, 25 points and 10 assists. They are the second duo to do that in the finals. And it went back to Magic and Worthy as the guys wow. who had done it. And then uh, they mentioned just having a duo that had 10 assists in the same game, it was like Jordan and Pippen. I mean, so they were, they were with the statistical uh, game that they had tonight in terms of not only scoring, but setting up their teammates. They put up, you know, historically comparable performances to to all-time greats. And they've been great the whole playoffs, both of them in conjunction. I mean, they've been unbelievable. And like I mentioned that two-man game possession, uh, you know, in the third, second or third quarter, whatever it was. And like Jokic into that game, Miami cuts it to nine at one point. And you're like, ooh, I'm sitting next to Matt Dollinger, my excellent editor with the ringer during the game where I'm like, okay, it's not quite over yet. But then the Nuggets just have a way of just creating those shot opportunities because of Jokic. And he had that, what was what was it, a minute left, two minutes left? Hits the fadeaway from the left block over Bam Adebayo. 
no. there's just nothing you can do about that guy. Like these, that's why these the, this performance by Jokic and Murray. You're bringing up all these historic players, these Hall of Famers, because what those guys do together, particularly Jokic, it, it just feels like it's only a matter of time until he does something amazing in a game. Because that play I'm talking about, I'm pretty sure. From up here, again, I thought Bam played really good defense with a strong contest, but Jokic just fades away and flips the ball up, skies it way up high in the sky with that rainbow arc and falls right through the rim. That's that's what happens with this guy. There's just nothing you could do with Jokic. He's so special, man. Hey, you know who you should go ask about what to do with Jokic? Poor Cody Zeller. My God. Why don't oh, you just, God, he, I mean, just get sent into the 10th row. Just bullied. I mean, that was nothing. That 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 was not safe for work. <laughs> I Dude, mean, he, that poor guy I mean, checked he, into the checked into the game. He's got this goopy ass face mask on, and next thing he knows, he's he's in the tenth row, like straight line drive, shoulder into you. I mean, I'm just gonna make a layup. I mean, it, it was so. It was just an emasculating play. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what, Chris. There is a really strong chance that the Heat could get better production from Udonis Haslam. <laughs> At least he's gonna like try to take out his knees or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean Zeller Zeller's not it though, man. They can't go with Zeller anymore. It's almost time to crown an NBA champion, and FanDuel wants you to be part of the excitement. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Oh, and you're going to be thinking about game two. You got to imagine Jimmy Butler is going to bounce back, right? I mean, if not, look, building the same game parlay on this stuff, you can either go with the Nuggets and then... You're not going to go wrong on the Jokic assist stats and this point stats and and triple-double stats. Like, he has been absolutely cashing everything. But if you want to add something to it, you could go with Butler to rebound from his game and that he imposes his will on one. So depending on who you think is going to win game two, I would pair it up with Jokic or I'd pair it up with Butler. FanDuel is fantastic. Great promotions every day, safe and secure app, and you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet all finals action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash mismatch and get a no-sweat first bet for up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash mismatch. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, or Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 
or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. 467-369 in New York, 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. Yeah, well, and this is what we talked about. The Heat are small, and this is the they team are. that's going to be able to punish you for it, and it happened right off the bat. They were punishing them for being small. That is one thing I would worry about if I'm Miami, that there's a bunch of things that I can convince myself that Miami's going to make this very competitive. And even by game two, we'll make some adjustments that I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to steal that game and then we've got a series on our hands. That being said, you know, Denver had something they could go to quite a bit without making shots. And so... That three-point variance is going to be something to monitor for both of those teams, but I do think that that size advantage can truly show up, and that's just that, that's something that they're not going to be able to fix. Yeah, there's yep. there's nobody there to fix that. There's no secret weapon. I mean, at some point you're like, man, should they just try Kevin Love or something? I mean, but it, that's kind of where you're at. Because there's nobody else. Like, you look up and down their bench, there's nobody else. I mean, straight up, though. I mean, we can talk all we want about, you know, backup center. What do you do there? Should Haywood Highsmith play more? Yes, obviously, Struess and those guys have to shoot the ball better. But more than anything else, Jimmy Butler has to be performing better. He has to be a star. I mean, that, that's, that's what it comes down to more than anything else. Jimmy Butler, for the Heat to win this series, Jimmy Butler is going to have to have games like he did against Boston, game one, game two, when he was absolutely dominant. Even if he has games like the 28 points on 28 shots, 12 of 28 in the game seven win for the Heat, I'm not even sure that's good enough. Jimmy Butler is going to have to have supremely efficient, high-volume games. And he hasn't had that for since game two. It's been a while since we saw that from Jimmy Butler. So I think that that's the level of concern there. He said he's before the finals, he said he's not making excuses with his ankle or anything like that. However, I mean, he did say at the end of it, you know, I'm not going to blame a bum ankle. He is pretty much telling us he has a bum ankle. And I don't think that's necessarily an excuse there. But, I mean, it's been since May 19th that we've seen him dominate on the floor. Hmm. And now it's, uh, by the time they play again, it's going to be June 3rd. So yeah, it'll be so two full been weeks. Yep, been a long time. And on the other side, literally every time we watch him play, their guy dominates the game. Jokic tonight, as you every mentioned, hits that, hits that fadeaway against Bam. And he already had the points, but then he went down to the other end, got a rebound, and they said, and there's the triple-double. And they posted that he had his ninth. He had his ninth triple-double of this postseason. Kevin, I submit to you, in this postseason, 
of all the 16 teams that have played in this postseason, there have been 12 triple doubles in the postseason. He has nine of them. Wow. Curry had one. Giannis had one. And Bam Adebayo had one. Wow. The other nine are all Jokic. Of the 12 triple-doubles in this playoffs, he's got nine of them. I mean, his imprint is just on every game in this massive way. And if he's not doing one of them, if he, you know, we've seen him score 50-plus in that Phoenix series in a game. And then tonight, it felt like he could have had 25 assists if he needed to. Yep. Yeah, I guess he ended up with 14. Yeah, I guess he ended up with 14. Yeah. He's he's that type of guy, man. I, I I just think with Joker, there's no answer for him right now, and we'll have a lot of time to discuss like if the Nuggets win this series. But already, I mean, throughout this postseason, my mind has just been going to okay, he's the new guy that you're going to have to get through in the Western Conference, and he very well might be the new guy that you have to get through in the NBA Finals because this Nuggets team, man, it's like everything we're talking about, Chris. Like, it revolves around Nikola Jokic. Like, he's the center of it all. Of course. But Jamal Murray has his ways of destroying you. Aaron Gordon, it's not like he's a no-skill player. Aaron Gordon has been a bucket getter since high school. He can score. He can handle. He can create. Michael Porter Jr. can catch fire. Bruce Brown coming off the bench. He can hit some shots for you. He can handle a little bit. Never mind the scrappy defense up and down their roster. This Nuggets team has different ways of generating quality shot opportunities, and all of them are quality defensive players. So I think for this Nuggets team right now, it's it's not like it's not just one guy. And that's what I think everybody watching the finals needs to keep in mind for where they are today with their chances against the Heat but also where they'll be tomorrow and in the seasons to come. Like this team is built to continue to be better and get better in the years to come because of the way they all interact with each other and not just because of Jokic. It feels like a continuation of what we might have seen if you didn't have the devastating Murray injury. You do have yeah, to I think that, yeah. you, you have to look back and wonder because they they well we saw them ruin the Kawhi and Paul George. Really, probably that entire Clippers era of Kawhi and Paul George. Like, that was the best chance. That was when they were both healthy, both, you know, it was in the bubble, no less. But, you know, and and the Nuggets, it was like, okay, and then they took their, they, they, they showed their worthiness as uh, someone that you really need to pay attention to as a playoff contender. And you had Bubble Murray go in, and then it was like, maybe the next year, you know, they might have been able to be competing for the title the next year and the year after that, right? Like, they've just, they lost the season because of the Murray injury. And when we did see them in the playoffs, they were super impressive. And obviously, they've added Gordon since then. Um, but one of the things we've talked about throughout these playoffs is they know exactly who they are and they know exactly who they play. It's eight guys. A lot of times it's seven. If Brown's not getting minutes, it's not 
hey, I'm trying to search for this. I'm trying to search for that. Maybe I'll throw this guy in. Maybe we'll see if Cody Zeller can give us something. Maybe Haywood Highsmith can give us something. And and look, and the heater is about as fine-tuned a team as you can have at this point, too. But they do no searching in Denver. It's their seven guys that they play, and you know they're playing, and if Brown plays eight, and that's what they've got. And they all know exactly what they're doing. They know their role. They know how to play together. They've gotten a lot of reps and minutes together. I mean, they're a real team, a team. And obviously, they've got the best player going. I kind of wish more people knew this Nuggets team. I mean, like the way the way the finals were talked about, it's like they weren't on national TV the most. They're, they're not even on TV locally because of the altitude thing right. that Adam Silver was asked about pregame. Like this Nuggets team, it's it's as you said, Chris, it's a real team. And it's not highlights, the though. That's the problem. No. In t- it, well, they're great it basketball though, team. But Jokic is a living, a walking highlight. I know. The shots he hits, the passes he makes, he is a walking highlight oh, on a night, night in, night out basis. It's just, nope, for sure. it's not the traditional type of highlights, high flying, you know, right. that type of thing. But he, But he is. He is a highlight reel every single night. It's very... Spurs-esque in the sense of, and I heard... There's so much more exciting than the Spurs to me, personally. I'm talking about how everybody knew that Tim Duncan was amazing. And Jokic is more exciting than Duncan. I'll give him that, okay? Yes, yes. Like, the centerpiece was this guy in Tim Duncan who was the big fundamental. He was an amazing basketball player that anybody that loved basketball could appreciate, yet you weren't going to see them at the end of the year when you're doing NBA top 10 plays, they're not going to be included. When you're doing top 10 dunks, they're not going to be included. When you're doing top 10 anything, they're probably not going to be included. But they are a team that functions around this all-time great, one of the 10 best players of all time, and... I I do think, you know, Michael Malone was talking about that the other day, and I thought it was an interesting comp. He was like, I never coached Tim Duncan. I never was around him day to day. But everything I hear about him, it's very similar to how selfless he is and how much he, you know, wants to make his teammates better and his commitment, you know, to, to the greater good and to winning and all this stuff. Like, you know, all the things that you're supposed to value. Yeah, um, that's true. Ex- ex- that's all true, except for the fact that Jokic does create amazing highlights. He makes passes that nobody on earth can even envision or see that, even think about doing on the court. And some of those passes lead to spectacular dunks by an Aaron Gordon or a Michael Porter or a Bruce Brown or whoever it might be. It can lead to magnificent three pointers by Jamal Murray or Porter. They do create highlights. It's just. It's just, it's just different. They just don't get that. They just don't get that attention nationally that I hope they do during these finals. And it's going to be well, it's just big right? guys too. I know you're right. It is partially that it's big guys just aren't as as good of a highlight yeah. for social and all that. Well, the other thing is they also they're not the guys that the NBA promotes, and they're not the guys that have their own shoe. And it's not you know like all that stuff. Yep, that's doesn't. fair. And Jokic doesn't do any interviews. He, I mean, he no. just doesn't. It's just true. He doesn't. He says no to everything. Right. Which is very Tim Duncan-esque also. 
<laughs> you yeah. didn't know a lot about Tim Duncan. Yep. He's a very private yep. guy as well, right? And so, yeah, he doesn't care about promoting his brand. He doesn't even have a brand. He's just an amazing basketball player. Um, little basketball thing that I do want to mention here is I I don't want to I don't want to beat up on you know I, the Celtics fans were having a hard time watching that Caleb Barton Max Drew stuff already, but my God, another time at, just because we just got used to watching them for seven games, it's like. Miami dropped into that zone, and you may remember this segment of the game. This is in the second quarter. So they dropped into the zone finally. They were never going to play the zone against Jokic, obviously. But as soon as Jokic went out of the game, they dropped into that zone. And the first time down the court, the Nugget threw it down to Jeff Green. He goes straight down the middle, and he hits a little, like, bunny. Like, right, like, exactly what you're supposed to do. So they come down the next time, and Bruce Brown drives to the basket. He takes a little floater. He bricks it, but Porter comes flying in from the weak side and jams it with two hands. Crowd goes crazy. And I'm watching, this is two possessions in a row against the zone. They just absolutely carved it up in a way that like in two possessions, they looked more equipped to handle that than Anything the Celtics or anything that Joe Missoula tried to do, you, you could have convinced me that a blind man drew it up in the huddle for the first three games of that series. It took them four friggin' games to figure out how to not run a blind man's play against the zone. And then you watch this Denver team tonight, and it's like, golly, like, this is a this is a team that was obviously prepared for this moment. As soon as Miami dropped into that zone, bang, 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 they had to get out of it. They had to get out of the zone like immediately. Whereas, you know, the Celtics are just throwing it around the perimeter and taking step back threes and and clanking them and then giving them a transition bucket the other way. It was crazy to watch. And I mean, yeah. kudos to Mike Malone. But also that team, I mean, you just saw the radical difference. And it also, it, it made me think tonight as I was watching that play out in the second quarter, I was like, my God, like maybe the Celtics were just abysmally coached because this is how this is supposed to look, you know? And, and instead, it looked like, you know, uh, Spolstra was throwing a, a trigonometry test out there to him, making him take it. <laughs> For what it's worth, just to throw the numbers at you, Chris, in the second quarter, the Heat played seven possessions of zone, according to Second Spectrum. On those plays, the Nuggets posted an effective field goal percentage of 85.7. I told you. Absurd. Uh, And then in the fourth, in the fourth quarter, they played 10 possessions. The Nuggets had a effective field goal percentage of only 40. I mean, so like it worked better statistically in the fourth quarter when Jokic was on the floor. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I think, you know, it, it worked a little bit better then. End of a game, they got a big lead. A lot, like I, I just, I can't read into it too much in the fourth. But in the second quarter, you're right. The way they put it out as soon as Joker was out. As soon as he was out, they, they said, go in zone, yes. And right away, the Nuggets were ready for it. Right away. Without missing a beat, they're like, all right, let's go to our stuff that we've been scouting out and practicing this whole past week. Ready to go. 
Yeah. It was a Jeff Gore. It was a Jeff Green two footer. <laughs> you don't say Lee- Jeff Gordon. Jeff yeah, Gordon. Jeff, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Green. Jeff Green two footer. And yeah, then it was right? this Bruce Brown drive that was followed up by this, you know, just Herculean dunk by Porter. And oh, that it was, was like, so cool. And then God. Porter had the three in the corner too. Shortly after that, I believe, or maybe before it, whatever. It was just so quick and decisive, and I'm I'm just sitting yep. there watching it going, Boston never did this. Like, they never looked good like this against it. Yeah. They yep. looked better in two plays than Boston did the entire series mm-hmm. against that zone. It was bananas to watch it. Like, okay. It's going to be tough for Miami, man. They just don't have a lot of answers. This This Nuggets team is bigger, longer longer than anybody that Miami's faced. They have a better player than anybody Miami's faced. Um, it, it, it's just a lot. It's a lot to solve for Miami. And as much as I love that team, I picked the Nuggets in six. Uh, I feel, I mean, it's just one game here, but I'd move towards five. Oh, I wouldn't point. be I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat can respond in the next game. I wouldn't. I know. Just I know. Because you, can't, you can't rule out Spo. You can't. You can't. And look, as I said, I, I I am torn on the 104. Did they did they give up 104 because the Nuggets took the you know their foot off the gas? But in the end, that is what they scored. And if they score 104, you can win those games. You're not going to the free throw line. I mean, you can do a lot of I, I can a lot of talking myself into the Heat that this was uh, like an utter disaster, and it still wasn't a run out on them. They shot two free throws. They were one of 19, one of 17 from Martin and Struess. Jimmy didn't impose his will at all. And they shot a okay percentage from three. Not, not good enough. And actually got good shots. Like I actually think, I actually think the shot quality stuff will be favorable to them when it comes out. It was about equal. It's about equal on second spectrum. Pretty close. Interesting. Pretty even. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And I mean, they, look, those shots they missed tonight, they made against Boston. Then it was an 11 point game, right? I think at the end. Yep. So I, uh, I, I do think it's going to be competitive, though. I do. And I think there's a lot of things that you can talk yourself into Miami doing better. And that's not to say that. Denver won't do things better. And I do think that there's always a a psychology of, dude, we're up by 20. Like, we're, oh, yeah, we're not, we're not going all out of 20. So that's why they were able to make it a little better looking on the scoreboard. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA is insurance that could lead the league in assist. That's because bundling auto with home or renter's insurance saves you money. 
USAA understands the needs of our military, veterans, and their eligible family members, and they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. couple other things before we get out of here, because I know you're still at the arena. When you saw that Monty Williams contract, what did you think? I mean, well, this is... Uh, I, I think the Ryan Russillo tweet sums it up for me. He said, he tweeted this morning, Thursday morning, I slept on it, still don't get it. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, look, Monty Williams, I, he's a good culture builder, but tactically, he's playing non-shooters in games one and two. Um, he took forever to start feeding touches to Mikkel Bridges while Booker and Paul were out, uh, despite the nagging of the Suns front office at that time. To make him the highest-paid coach in NBA history, it just feels like a massive overpay to me. I guess the Pistons don't mind, you know, because they get their guy, and they don't care about the money aspect. But boy, oh boy, this, like, changes the game for what coaches are going to get paid in the same way we talked about the Rudy Gobert trade last summer, changing the price for superstars. Now with a coach, you're like, I'm better than Monty Williams. You're going to give me <laughs> a huge well, contract, man, over $12 million annually. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, it, yeah, is that is that going to be a cautionary tale? You know, like how... Where for maybe like a month when people were getting on trade calls, they're like, hey, look, I can't go back to my owner and tell him that's what I got for my guy when they got that for Rudy Gobert. And obviously, you know, if you're the GM on the other end, you're trying to convince him. Yeah, but that was friggin' stupid. You know, there's going <laughs> to come that moment where the guy walks into the office and like, hey, uh, here's here's my record in the playoffs. And. Here's Monty Williams' record in the playoffs. And so why am I getting paid whatever? Maybe a coach getting paid five or six or seven million is a great salary. Why is he getting paid 12 and I'm getting paid seven or whatever? And, you know, there's somebody that's going to, uh, some owner that's going to have to be like, look, I, that's not the, that's not the going rate. That's what these loony bins did there because they got told no by everybody. Yeah. And they didn't want, you know, there's all these coaches that are out there. All these coaches. There's all these title coaches. There's Budenholzer and there's Vogel and there's Nurse and there's on and on and on, right? Uh, even uh, Ime Udoka was out there, you know, prior to. And it's like all these coaches were out there. We didn't get any of them. Yet we fired Dwayne Casey forever ago. But nobody is taking it. And Monty Williams told us no 50 times. And then finally, we were just like, all right, fine. Like, that's what that feels like. It feels like they probably started off at a reasonable number. And then he said no. And then they got more unreasonable and more unreasonable. And, like, then they probably got to, like, 11. He's like, yep, still no. <laughs> and they're like, fine. <laughs> Yeah. Twelve yep. million dollars. He's like, fine, I'll coach the Pistons. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I mean, that, that's, I mean, I, that's what I, I would could expect too. He's probably like, look, this guy's about to. He's got to pay off my contract. I've got this mansion in Arizona. I can play golf all the time. I could probably do some analyst work if I want to. I could travel around. 
do what I want to do. And oh yeah, I live in Arizona, so it ain't so bad. And but at some point they gave you an uh, the Godfather offer, and you just yeah. couldn't say no. But I, I can't imagine that that will be standard or commonplace. That's an extreme amount. We'll see for any coach for any coach. Seriously, we shall see. You know, I mean, geez. I guess there are some agents that are super happy right now. That is for sure. Mm -hmm. I know you are at the game. Um, so you weren't, um, you, you didn't see the broadcast, but beforehand, I don't know. Did you go to Adam Silver's thing? Was he there? I guess he talked there. I, w I was there. Yep. I was there. Yeah. Did not sound good for my guy, John Morant. <laughs> no, it didn't. I mean, at he all. wouldn't tell us. He, he, he pretty much says, we know what we're going to do. We just don't want to announce it during the finals. Yeah, we'll find, to take we'll, any, we'll find to out take shortly any after away. the finals. And, and, it, and it sounded a lot to me like uh, they're going to drop the hammer. But how much are they going to drop the hammer? What does that mean? Does that mean 41 games? Does that mean 25 games? That's what we don't know. Well, let me just say, when Adam Silver, in his comment about Morant, he said that they... Uh, uncovered a fair amount of additional information. Um, I'm going to guess said additional information does not help John Morant. <laughs> like, I don't think you mentioned that you found additional information that makes you feel better about the situation. And I've got to believe that they are going to, you know, people want Iron Fist Adam to come down on the Morant thing. They're all calling for it. And I, I kind of believe that the suspension will be severe with just the way he talked about it tonight. And I think uh, that whole additional information thing and the fact that they don't want it to take away from the finals. I mean, Morant's a big enough star in the league now and a young star that that would be a huge headline. And then if you do announce it, um, it's going to take up talk show time. You're not going to be talking yep. about how amazing Jokic is. You're not going to be talking about all the good stuff going on in the NBA and the finals. And so I think it's probably wise to save that until after the finals, especially if they're about to come down really hard on one of their young stars. Yep, uh, absolutely. I, I think uh, if it were a light punishment, maybe they'd want to hide it during the finals. Right. Um, but but I, I think it's going to be heavy. It's just a matter of how heavy. Does that mean 20? Does it mean 40? I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. So that was the thing that made all the headlines from what he talked about. Did he say anything else interesting to you while you were in there? Um, I mean, he mentioned the in-season tournament a couple times in passing, but didn't really get asked directly about that. Obviously, um, the play-in's a thing because Miami's the play -in, there. Yep. Yeah, that's one thing he said. He said... Uh, he wants to give it, give the plan some more years before they make any potential tweaks. He didn't talk about it, but I've heard the All Star Game. Uh, like there's someone reported that they could move away from the draft uh, a couple of weeks back. I forget who reported that, but I heard tonight that it's possible they could move towards USA versus World for the All Star Game, which is something they've done with the Rising Stars Game uh, in recent years. So. He didn't talk about that. I didn't bother asking about it. It's just not that important right now. But I thought they were going to go to East versus West again, which I like. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I said. They might go towards East, east towards West, but I've heard 
USA vs. World is also in consideration. We don't want that. We get our ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, USA would. Well, that's the thing. I, I think the first year, USA gets their ass kicked. And then the, then the next year, they have to come back and be like, okay, let's take this seriously now. And then you hope it becomes an annual event where it's actually a legitimately good game. Because mm. the world is always yeah. going to take that seriously. There's, there's pride there, which was, which was what Silver talked about. Someone asked about like players playing in FIBA or the Olympics every two years. And, and, he, and he's kind of like, well, I mean, part of that is like nationalism. Part of that is like the expectation of wanting to play. Um, but there's like pride that players take in doing that. And I mean, I, I don't really think he had much to say other than like, yeah, guys are going to do that. That's part of it. So I, I think Adam, Adam Silver appreciates the international game and what they've brought to the NBA, which is why the USA versus world thing would be especially interesting. You know, I, especially no, now Kevin, that I don't Wemby's want it. Coming in. They also, uh, by the way, they would have Joel Embiid, Luka Doncic, Shea Gilgis Alexander from Canada, so he would be on the world team. Yep, uh, I know. Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Wem- Victor Wembanyama. Yeah, not. I'm not, well but, aware, but the U.S. USA has plenty of talent too. Just not like the six best players. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I would love to see it though, personally, at least for one year. Just give it one year, one one year. One year, and then if it goes well, then do it another year. Why, why can't the All-Star game be something different every year? Why, why can't it be East versus West one year, World versus USA another year, Draft another year? The All-Star game's an exhibition. Make it fun. You can, have, you can still have like the voting process be the same, but then divvy up the teams differently each year. I don't know. I, I just, I, it's an exhibition. Make, I, I, it I always like the conference thing. I did. I always yeah, liked I the conference That's, thing. That's bland, especially when they make the fake jerseys. I, I want them to wear. I like when they wear the, the team That's jersey cute. with the emblem and the logo. You're trying to get American basketball embarrassed. Look at you. Yeah, I am. Kevin O'Communist. can step up. Kevin O'Communist. <laughs> to get embarrassed one year, you come back That'll and you want to fight and battle the next year. Yeah. Make it a, make it a real battle. Uh, uh well, we've got a couple days until game two. Obviously, these teams will make their adjustments. Um, I'll let you sign out from the arena, Kev. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez. And uh, stay safe in Denver. Are you feeling the altitude up there in the nosebleeds? No. <laughs> I, am, I am higher than most other people in the arena right now. Uh, I do not. I do not feel the altitude. I've not noticed it. To be honest with you, maybe I would notice it if I did physical activity. But I, I haven't noticed the altitude ever. Even, Even you know? walking up the steps. No, you well, just I built for it. Up. It's all that I peloton. Well, that. I do do cardio every every single day. That's true. So I might be equipped for it. Yep. Yep. Some of those guys you see the you see those heavy breathing NBA players, and you're like, look at them. Couldn't. Yeah, couldn't I know. Couldn't spend what one a, class on my Peloton. What a what a bunch of wimps. <laughs> <laughs> These professional athletes with 1% body fat. <laughs> Thank you to our producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. And uh, Kevin, I will talk to you next Monday night. Hey, everybody enjoy the NBA Finals. Yeah.